want to share um, a, a vision. You can sit, you can take a seat for a second. I just want to share something that I saw in the spirit. Um, uh, yesterday and last night and I believe that there's a real attack against um, against the church worldwide, you know, against Christians who are standing on the word of God and who are, uh, you know um, going forward with the Lord and um, the, the vision I saw was, was a picture of a battlefield and I've seen it in the past and um, uh, the battlefield, it was like really dark. There was like smoke, like, you know, thick kind of smoke from all of the, the, the weapons firing. Um, there was like moans and groans, something like what you'd see in a movie, I guess, really. Uh, and it was a scene played out in front of me. And um, there was like all people who were... Uh, lying on the battlefield who were wounded uh, there was pe- you know I'm sure there was people who was who were dead there as well but I didn't see any dead I just saw people who were wounded who had been shot who had been um, you know attacked by the enemy and and they were bleeding um, praise God uh, and I I sensed that the Lord was calling uh, his church, the body, um, who were on the battlefield. It was actually the church who were on the battlefield. But he was calling for them to regroup and to refocus. Um, there was, you know, there was, there was people who were trying to get to their injured comrades to try and drag them to safety, to try and drag them to shelter and to refuge. Um, there was fierce confusion on the battlefield. Um, there was people who were frightened and afraid. Uh, you know, the enemy had, had, had surrounded them and had obviously come up from behind and attacked people, and that's how so many of them were wounded and lying on the ground. There was great despair. There was great heaviness and, and, you know, fear, I suppose, really. And um, the next thing, uh, that scripture just came to me uh, about the standard. The Lord raises up the standard. And I'd forgotten again, you know, that a standard means a flag. And uh, the flag, you know... Was, was carried in ba- into battle by the, the, the standard bearer, he was called, or the, the, the flag bearer. And he would uh, go into the battle, and wherever the flag was, that's where the troops were called to. So, you know, um, this is where, say, uh, those, those um, orders or those... Um, uh, you know, when, when you're here in the army, and they go, hot... And that means attention, you know, and, and it, so this flag is, is the same thing, the standard. It, it calls the troops to attention. And uh, the flag bearer who goes on the battlefield, he stays very close at all times to the king or to the, the, the commander in chief, the one who's leading the battle cry. And so the flag bearer sticks close to him because he has to follow him everywhere. And wherever the flag goes or wherever the standard goes, that's where the army goes. Now, it's also interesting because wherever the flag is, that's the place 
where the enemy targets because the enemy knows that that's where the, that opposing army are. And so the enemy will target straight for that flag, that standard. And you see, uh, I just believe, you know, that, that there are many people in the, word, in the body of Christ across the world right now, we, we hear of them every day, who are being attacked. Their families are being attacked. They're being attacked in their bodies. And um, we just want to pray today for... For Kent Christmas, um, the, 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 the pastor who, you know, he's on there on YouTube and uh, I really uh, suggest you watch his, his, uh, his weekly um, teachings, especially the Wednesday night one. It's like usually only about 20, 25 minutes long, but, uh, you know, the Lord is really, and he has been through some battles. But this week they're facing a battle where his son is in hospital on life support. His son, who is a preacher and who teaches on healing. That's his main call in life. Imagine that. And this, the enemy attacked him with an aneurysm. And, uh, you know, they're not taking what the, the doctor's prognosis is. They have instead decided to raise up the banner of faith and say he will live and he will not die. And he will declare the works of God in Jesus' name. And so we just stand in agreement with them today. Amen. But I, I do feel, and Aileen has really graciously agreed to sing, I raise a hallelujah, even though, you know, she, like, I... I, I beseech you to pray for Aileen, pray for uh, anyone who's in leadership or who's, who's, who's putting their head above the parapet because that's where the enemy will try and target. And you see, if he can bring down the flag bearer, the whole army is thrown into confusion. And a battlefield is a confusing enough place with all the, the firing and the, and the, the bullets and <clears throat> you know the, the explosions and, and all this. It's a confusing enough place and that's why there's very often darkness and the troops are trying to see, you know, where, where are we being attacked from? Where do we need to hit the enemy? And that's what the church is like right now. Worldwide, I'm talking about. Everybody I know is under attack. And the thing is, is that we have to, uh, you know, uh, be called to attention by the Lord. And there are times where we are going to fall down. And, you know, please believe me, uh, myself most of all, fall down constantly. But the thing is, is that Proverbs 24, 16, I think it is, says, though a good man, though a godly man or a righteous man, that is someone who has been washed and cleansed with the blood of Jesus Christ, fall even seven times, yet he will still get up. And you see, that's the thing is that the Lord is calling the church, get up, get up again. Don't let the enemy knock you down. Get up, look and see where he is. Identify where the attack are coming from. There are doors we need to close in our lives. There are people who are trying to bring influence or witchcraft or different things against us. We need to, to be you know, armed and ready and, and uh, come against those attacks because the enemy is using those people. The enemy is using different situations. He's using fear. He's using fear of lack, fear of tomorrow. He's, he's putting obstacles in people's paths where maybe something that was meant to happen has not happened and they're getting disappointed and broken down and defeated and uh, you know he's attacking people in their physical bodies in their health and he's he's trying to uh, just cause complete and utter
utter confusion. But the main thing he's trying to do, and if you are somebody who's, who's a believer in Jesus Christ and who's following him to the best of your ability, walking in, in his love, you know, walking in forgiveness, uh, walking in a lifestyle of repentance, I suppose, you know, um, aiming to, to shine out the righteousness of God out of every area of your life, you are a standard bearer. You are a flag bearer and the enemy is out to target you and to take you down so that those people who are, you know, on the battlefield around you and believe me, in shops, in workplaces, in, in families, you know, there are those who are around us. They are wounded. They are crippled. They are limping. They are lame. They are after being attacked in different ways. Much of it you won't know about because they won't tell you. But we need to lift up that standard and lift up that flag in Jesus' name. Amen. So we'll, we'll sing this song, I Raise a Hallelujah, and we'll help Aileen along with it. And, you know, we'll sing it from a different perspective. You're not raising a hallelujah as, as, as a, a defeated, worn down, discouraged uh, soldier. You're the flag bearer. You're the one who's staying close to the king. He's the one giving you orders. Come over here. Go over there. Come on. Let's bring them this way. And, and you are hearing from the, the king. You are hearing from Jesus. And he is giving you strategies and downloads. And we need to be careful to shut our ears to what the enemy is saying. And instead to shout back at him. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. It means lift up his name. Honor his name. And so that's what we're doing here today in Jesus name. Amen. Thanks Aileen.
to, to not talk about it as much or not to try and try and, and, and divert conversations. And we just pray, Father, that that you would really retrain us in how to have conversations going forward that are not negative, that are not filled with doubt and unbelief or fear, Lord. In the name of Jesus, that you would restore to us your joy, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. And thank you, Father. Hallelujah. You know, um, in, in Isaiah 43, this scripture has been on my heart for the last two weeks, and I just want to read it. Praise God. Thank you for your word today, Lord. Oh God, we worship you. We thank you. Thank you for speaking to us, Lord. Hallelujah. And you know, that picture I had of that, of that battlefield, the, the word that was coming to me uh, a lot was, was shelter and uh, refuge. And you know, God is our shelter. He is our refuge. He is our shield, as we saw last week. So in the battle, when we lift up the Lord, we are actually lifting up a shield of protection and a shield of faith over us and over our situation. And um, in, in Isaiah 43, um, praise God. Will we read it together? Uh, from verse 1. Isaiah 43, verse 1. But now, thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burnt, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. You know, he is the Lord, our God. And um, praise God. You know, that's not just speaking to Israel. It's speaking to us as well, because we are part of Zion, grafted in through the blood, the body and the blood of Jesus as part of his family. So you know what? You are part Jewish. Hallelujah. <laughs> so you know that if, if people could grasp that, it might change their perspective very much on, on uh, Israel. You know, because so many people just follow the herd and follow the crowd, follow the propaganda of what they're being told about, you know, what goes on in Israel or what Israel are doing. And sure, there are no angels and nobody is. Neither are we. But the thing is, is that an awful lot of what is spoken out about the nation of Israel and about the Jewish people is actually uh, total lies by the enemy and an attack upon them because they are God's chosen people. And the thing is, is so are we. We have been, in Ephesians 1, um, 2, it says we have been engrafted in the Jew and the Gentile together, making one new man. And that is why many people who are studying the word of God faithfully, faithful, uh, you know, praying in their prayer and in their, their time with the Lord, and, and they're being attacked left, right, and center. And they say, why is this happening? It's the exact same reason that Israel is being attacked left, right, and center. And, and you know, that people are constantly criticizing and condemning the Jews that, that, the, the, you know, that even the whole Holocaust and everything took place place is because we are called by God he he knows your name he actually called you by your name you see that there I have called you by your name and and this is something that people need to get a revelation of as well is that God has called you um you know he's named you 
and and it's something I think that where a lot of people are very um, uh, broken in uh, it's something you know that a lot of people have struggled with is their name uh, you know they don't like their name in fact I remember even when I was young myself it was it's an area where the enemy attacks people to not like their name and you know if you don't like your name you won't like yourself and uh, you know that's just something I'll throw out there that it's something that he, the Lord has really ministered to me and um, I remember when I was younger telling my mother why couldn't you call me a nice name like my name was Rosemary and you know when we were in school of course you know they'd call you by your full name uh, <laughs> And uh, Rosemary Margaret Ahern, and you go, oh my God! And, you know, I, and I don't know what what it got into me, but I reckon it's something generational, actually, that comes down the generations. But and I say to her, why didn't you call me a nice name like Lorraine or something? And like <laughs> she's saying, what do you want about? And you know, it's something the Lord really uh, ministered to me that that the enemy releases like an unloving spirit. It could be your surname. It could be even the name that your family has, you know, uh, maybe a name as, uh, oh, they're the, the, who do you call it? It's, of course, they're, you know, uh, these kind of things, they, they build up strongholds in people and, and they cause uh, really a, a, a turning in against oneself and a self-hatred, which, of course, opens the door to all kinds of demonic activity. So God has called us by our name. Will you say that with me? Jesus, Jesus. you have called me, have called me. By, my by my name. I ask you to forgive me, you to forgive me. For, not for not liking my name, my name. Who, I who I am, my family name. My family name. In, Jesus name. In Jesus' name, I thank you, I thank you. For, delivering for delivering me and setting me free. From every unloving spirit, from every spirit of rejection, thank you, Jesus, for who you made me to be. I will love myself in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so he says, I have called you by your name. You are mine. Would you say that? I am his. You know, God the Father has called you. And you belong to him. Many people go through life and they're, they're so sad because maybe, they, maybe life didn't work out the way that they thought it should or, or whatever. And, you know, some people go through life always feeling like they never belong. And it's actually the reason that many of the, the LGBT um, uh, movement has gained such momentum is that it has captured people who maybe were broken in some way emotionally, you know, um, hurted by, by something. And I'm not just talking about the LGBT. You, you can look at any movement, uh, uh, you know, the feminist movement, anything like that. And, and I'm not coming against feminists. You know, there was uh, the suffragettes and all those. They fought for us to be able to vote and all that. I, I'm very grateful for that. But, you know, sometimes people attach themselves to others in order to feel like they belong. It's something we often watch that program, you know, Place in the Sun or Escape to the Country. And you'll see them and they'll say... Um, 
I want to move somewhere where there's a community, where I can get involved and where I can be part of a community. And you see, that's the thing is that all of us were created to belong because we belong to God. But so many people don't know him, so they have run the opposite direction, run away from God, or, or, or something has happened that has hurted them or made them think that God was against them. And then they have gone off and tried to belong somewhere else. And, and this is why we have a lot of problems in society, a lot of mental health issues where people, you know, no matter what happens or what, what medication they get or what, you know, how many people try to help them, they, they, they can't get lifted up out of, this, out of this mire because they don't realize that they belong to God and that he loves them, that, that we are his people. He said, you know, uh, I will be your God and you will be my people. We are, Jesus said, we are the sheep of his flock. We belong to him. Not in a, in a malevolent, uh, you know, controlling, dominating way. But let's have a look at um, Psalm 23. Catherine, could you turn down the dial again? Oh, thank you. Is it, not all the way, but it's just, uh, yeah, to around maybe 20. Thank you. Psalm 23. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Oh Lord, we just thank you for your word today. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Oh Lord, we love your presence. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. We worship you. We thank you for the privilege and honor of being able to come into your presence of being able to gather here together in freedom today to worship you. Oh, Father, we praise you and we bless your name. And we thank you now for opening our spiritual ears, opening our spiritual eyes, helping us to hear and comprehend and understand and take in, Lord, how much you love us, Father. I pray today, Lord, that we would go away from this place different and that we would uh, make a quality decision, as they say, to receive your love and to walk in that love all the days of our lives in Jesus' name. You see, David was a shepherd, right? He was only a young boy as a shepherd. But his job, his ministry as the shepherd taught him so many things about God. And you know, this is no different for you and I. In everything we do, we are to do it for the glory of God. But you know why? Because in everything we do, there is learning. Uh, we never stop learning. And 
you know, the more I see it uh, from, from when we're little children, from when we're little babies, and even preschoolers, young children, teenagers, all at school, and, and then they think, I can't wait to get out of school because I can finish learning. But, like, the more I live, the longer I live, the more I see that we learn every single day from everything we do. And if we don't... <laughs> You know, you need a good boot up the backside if you don't, because we need to remain humble and teachable. There's something we can learn every day from every person that we encounter, even the ones we don't like. And this is something I believe that the Lord is calling, like I said earlier, about raising up that standard. I believe the Lord is calling the body of Christ worldwide to a fresh, uh, you know, refreshment of righteousness and of getting in order. An army does not ever win any battle by being out of sync with each other. You know, they march in their... Th when they join the army, uh, they take them for weeks and weeks and they break them. They break their rebellious spirit. They break their, their uh, you know, uh, unwillingness. Uh, they break it and they mold them and shape them into... Uh, people who will respond to every order, uh, who will not get sidetracked or, or, or distracted. They, they train them how to use weapons. And, and God's kingdom is no different. We are all part of his army. And he is calling people to righteousness. He's calling people to order. And that doesn't mean that you have to be the perfect poly. You know, we're all all going to fall and, and make mistakes and sin. And, and that's why we come to the blood of Jesus. And what the Lord really ministered to me is that the standard that we lift up on the battlefield of our lives every day is what Jesus did for us, his life, his death, and his resurrection. That's why we take communion. Communion is the standard, really, that refocuses us and realigns us and brings us back into correction. But we do learn something every day. And David learned, as he was a shepherd boy, he learned all about the goodness of God. And that's why he said, you know, he was able to say, it, it, it was such a revelation for him, really, if you think about it. Before that, there was only one mention of God being, I think, anyway, you can correct me on this if you like, but I'm nearly sure there was only one other mention of God being a shepherd uh, previous to this, and it was when Jacob was blessing his children. Do you remember when he, he brought them all before him and he blessed them all? And when he blessed Joseph, he said, uh, he spoke of Joseph, and he said, God is the shepherd of Israel. And uh, up to that point, there had been no mention of shepherding. But David, as he was a shepherd boy, he saw so many comparisons to his life as a shepherd, to how God cared and loved and ministered for him. And so he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He brings us to place where there's fresh food. You can't bring sheep to uh, you know, a, a field where there's no grass. They need grass, and that's why the farmer has to keep moving his livestock from place to place to find grazing for them. And that's why the sheep, you know, they roam the mountains and uh, uh, to go find some food. He leads me beside the still waters. He brings them to a place, and I actually, uh, I was really blessed because I was thinking about this all week, and 
last night, I think it was, I heard Becky Dvorak um, on um, Sid Roth's It's Supernatural um, network on YouTube there, and she was teaching actually from Psalm 23, and I loved what she said. She said, uh, why did he take the sheep to a still water? Because sheep can't swim. So if there was any kind of fast-flowing water, the sheep would drown. And we just read in Isaiah 43, he said, though the waters, you know, are, 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 are raging torrent, they will not overflow you because God is with you and he will lift you up. And um, he leads me in the path of righteousness, in the way of doing and being right before God, of doing the right thing, you know. We have a choice every day in everything we do and in everything we say to either do the wrong thing or do the right thing. And many times we do the wrong thing and we fail. But that's where righteousness comes in. Jesus gave us his righteousness and he took our sin. So there was this exchange. So we can come to him and say, Lord, I messed up again. I ask you to forgive me. And I thank you that I receive your forgiveness and your cleansing. That's what righteousness is. It's the knowledge that I can never make myself good enough. I can try all day to be, you know, the, the perfect Christian, the perfect person. And then something will happen or somebody will come home. Like Joyce Meyer, I love the way she used to say that. You know, she'd say, I was at home all day cleaning and cooking and vacuuming. Oh, I praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Washing the windows. Hallelujah. You're so good, God. And then she said, the minute they come home from school and that day would come in from work, she, you know, they'd... It was like a red rag to a bull. And she'd say, she'd turn around and she'd say, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> and she's so funny. But like, you know, that's the truth is that they, we people, you know, aggravate us. They agitate us or situations aggravate us. They make us fearful or, or whatever it is that the enemy will send against you. But this righteousness we have of knowing who we are in Christ, that we belong to God, that he loves us passionately that he is not against us but that we do have to live you know in order and so where there are doors that are open to the enemy we need to shut them where there are things that are wrong we need to make them right and you know that's why he said as much as possible as far as possible as much as depends on you live at peace with all men there may be people who are not willing to live at peace with you that's their problem but as far as it goes in your heart you have to make it right with God. And it may be that you have to cry out to him 40 times a day. Oh God, forgive me. Take it out of me, Lord. Will you deliver me from it in Jesus' name? But he will because he is your shepherd. And even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, it's not the valley of death. It's the shadow of death. And this is not a funeral, Sam. It's Spoken at funerals, I suppose, as some kind of a comfort that, you know, God is bringing people into their eternal home. But this is a psalm of life, not death. And it's the valley of shadow of death, where there is shadows. You know, the enemy whispering, this is not going to work out right. You know, these are the shadows. Uh, whatever negative things, like I said, even on the battlefield, there's this shadow of death. There's this threat. There's this uh, attack that's making you fearful or that's wounded or injured you in some way. But in this place of that shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why can David say that? Because he knows that God is watching over him as his shepherd. He will fear no evil. You are with me. 
Why will I fear no evil? For you are with me. Because you are with me, I will fear no evil. If we could only get that into our heads and repeat it. Oh God, I thank you that because you are with me, I will fear no evil. I will not be afraid. For you are with me. And your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod uh, and the staff, they represent authority. And they represent boundaries and protection. Because the staff, he'd only let the sheep go so far. He'd hook them by the staff and pull them back in. So boundaries and authority. Boundaries are the law, the, the commands. Okay? We have boundaries. We cannot go out and steal. We cannot go out and kill. We cannot go out. Jesus, you know, that you shall not kill thing has really ministered to me there lately. Is that that word kill means you shall not murder. And Jesus, when he gave the, the um, uh, when he was speaking in the New Testament, he said, I tell you this much, if you even speak with your words, uh, curse against somebody else, you have murdered them in your heart. And he says it's no different to murder, murdering them with a, a gun or a knife. So we have to repent of, of, you know, allowing the enemy to use our mouths to curse people. James said, blessing and cursing coming out of the one mouth, that cannot be right. You try to bless God with it, and then you curse uh, his children. In Psalm 50, I think we read that, did we? I can't remember what night. Oh, that was Thursday night, maybe. Psalm 50, it says, you know, you have cursed and condemned your own mother's son. And God said, that does not please me. In fact, it, it, it makes him angry. So, you know, people need to be very careful. And, and that's what I believe the Lord is raising up this flag, is, is saying, you know, get the army in order. Get them back marching together as one in order to win the battle and in order to advance the kingdom and set the enemy in retreat. Uh, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. So even in the presence of very difficult circumstances or fear or whatever, God has prepared this table. It's sitting there and it's waiting for us to eat from it. There are delicacies and, and treats on that table of his love, of his provision, of, of his favor. You know, And so often we see the table, we look at the table, but we don't eat from the table because our enemies are there and, and they can intimidate us. And that's something else that the enemy is doing right now is there's a real spirit of bullying and intimidation that has been released upon this earth this past year or two. And I see it operating in people's lives. I see people operating in a real bullying spirit. And it is not of the Lord. It is of Satan. And we need to resist it and not allow the enemy to intimidate and bully us. People are, are, are quietening down and not saying anything uh, at times. Uh, you know, and the thing is, is that God always calls us to stand up for truth and for what is right. There was a march yesterday in Washington. There was literally streets full of thousands and thousands and thousands of people marching for life, marching for Roe v. Wade to be overturned and for abortion to be stopped. Because abortion is murder and there's no other word for it. That's actually what the truth is. 
you know? And uh, I know that there's all arguments about, oh my God, what happens if there was a rape or if there was, you know, somebody wasn't able to afford a baby or somebody's mental health. Listen, the thing is, is there are options. There are people. There are many, many organizations who are there to help and stand with people and bring them through every traumatic thing. But the thing is, is that at the end of the day, you know, you shall not kill is the command and we cannot transgress it. There are boundaries because those things are open doors for the enemy to come in. But anyway, uh, in the presence of our enemies, he prepares a table and he, he wants us to eat from it, but it's up to us. And my cup runs over. Uh, oh, sorry, you anoint my head with oil. We mentioned that last week or the week before, that the shepherd, when he would be um, bringing the sheep in for, you know, checking them or whatever, and he would pour oil on their heads because there was a parasite, a flea, that could land on the sheep's heads that would um, crawl all over their head. And, of course, they had no way of, of removing it. It would crawl down into their ears and it would make them go septic and kill them so what the shepherd would do was pour oil on the heads of the sheep and the parasite could not land on on that head then and that's what that oil is representative of the spirit of god and when he pours his spirit on us you know there is a protection from fellowshipping with the holy spirit hallelujah Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What I noticed about Psalm 23 is, I'm sure you might have noticed it already, is that it's God who does everything. If you look at it, he's my shepherd. He's the one looking after me. He's the one who makes me to lie down. He is the one leading me beside the still waters. He is the one who restores and brings healing to me. He is the one who leads me in the right way to go. He is the one who is with me, standing there as my protector, as my defender. He is the one who has made the table and prepared it. I didn't have to. All I have to do is sit down and enjoy everything that he has done for me. And what will happen is goodness and mercy. You know, God is good. He is good all the time, as the song says. But his goodness and his mercy are the attributes of his character. He is so good. He is holy. And he is full of mercy and love and compassion. And that goodness and mercy, not only is he leading me, not only is he with me, but he is behind me. And he comes up behind me to protect my back. His goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And not only that, but he has made a place for me. And this is why we belong to God. Jesus said, I'm going away back to the Father to prepare a place for you. There are many rooms in my Father's house. He, he, you know, that translates to mansions and all that, uh, that word rooms. Um, where God lives, there is plenty of room. And the thing is, is that he longs for all those rooms to be filled. Jesus spoke in the New Testament about the king who prepared a, a beautiful feast. And he wanted people to come to his feast. Um, let's have a look at it. It's in Luke, I think. Uh-oh. I forgot to write that down now. 
Does anybody know off the top of their head where that is? Where's my other Bible? Thank you, Jesus. Just bear with me. Is it? How does it matter? Luke 14. Thanks, Maris. Luke 14. and verse 15. Okay. Luke 14, verse 15. Jesus was after telling them like that if you're invited to a big feast don't go straight for the top of the table because he said somebody more important than you might come and they might ask you to get up and move farther down and that's really embarrassing he's he's teaching about humility and he said instead when you go and you're invited somewhere go and take the lowliest place sit at the bottom of the table and then the the um, person who's giving the dinner would say, oh, my friend, don't sit there. Please come up higher. You know, and so he was explaining that in being um, last, you you, um, you know, how God would, would really reward people um, in the same way. But hearing this, um, a man sitting at the table with Jesus exclaimed, what a blessing it will be to attend a banquet in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied with this story, a man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. But they all began making excuses. One said, I just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said that I have bought um, a pair of oxen and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. Another said, I now have a wife, so I can't come. The servant returned and told his master what he had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there is still room for more. So his master said, go out into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. You know, this is something that should terrify us, really. Because there are people who have 
seen God's goodness and have turned their back on entering into everything that he has for them, whether it's through, you know, here you see that they got distracted, some fellow bought a field, he just didn't want to come. Maybe he just didn't want to conform to what would be expected of him at this feast. And, uh, you know, what the Lord's obviously the king represents the Lord here he says go out and get all those that are broken the outcasts the afflicted the lame the crippled and bring them in and when they were brought in you know you can be sure that that healing great healing took place there and that the servant came and said there's still plenty more room and he said go out and get everybody even the ones who are hiding and um, like I said you know many people who feel they don't belong a lot of people feel they don't belong in church and they probably don't belong in a lot of churches. And I always love that picture you have of, you know, I think somebody um, painted a picture one time of, of this beautiful looking church, something like, um, you know, the one that used to be on uh, Little House in the Prairie. Do you remember that beautiful little picturesque church with the steps going up to it? And there's like a picture with that church and Jesus sitting on the steps outside and a kind of an old beggar man um, thrown out there with him. And uh, Jesus looking at the, the, the whatever he was, whether he was a, a down and out or maybe he was a, a person with an addiction problem. And Jesus looking at him and said, they don't want me in there either. <laughs> you know, and, and that's, that's unfortunately what religion does is it makes no room for the spirit of God. It makes no room for Jesus and it makes no room for the ones that he wants to bring in. And the thing is, is that the reason it makes no room is that it doesn't know him as the shepherd. It doesn't know the people who, who are caught up in religious activities and, and in, in religious mindsets or in, in mindsets that are not of the Lord. They, they've forgotten, you know, about humility and they've also become maybe proud or lifted up. That's why Jesus preceded that teaching with the teaching about be careful about where you're sitting in church or where you're sitting at this great uh, dinner, you know, because, and I don't mean that as in like anyone who's sitting up the top, I don't mean that. <laughs> he wants you to come up the top so you can hear. But what I mean is, is that, that people get elevated in their hearts and it makes them proud and lifted up and, and maybe get involved in, in, in righteous, self-righteous works and things like that. And none of that will matter a sugar in the kingdom of God. You know, everything is going to get burnt up. Everything. Everything. Even this place. Everything is going to get burnt up. The only thing that will matter at the end of time and in eternity is souls. And that's what he was explaining here. Go out and find those ones that are hiding. Those ones that are broken and bruised those ones that feel they don't belong anywhere, and bring them in. <coughs> bring them into my kingdom. Sometimes people get under pressure about that because they feel I have to bring somebody to church. You know, there are some people and they will never come inside the door of a church. But like I said earlier, your testimony and, and the word of God and the word of hope and the word of joy and, and the love of God that you bring into their lives will be the thing that will turn them to the kingdom of God. And that will bring them in for that great feast. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So like I said, in Psalm 23, we just read, it's the Lord who does it all. He's done it all. And he constantly does it all. And like I said, he leads us, he goes with us, and he goes behind us. We are completely hedged in. When we realize, when we humble ourselves and realize that we are his sheep, and that we belong to him, and that he loves us. And so... 
in that battle, though there may be smoke, though there may be chaos and confusion, though there may be bullets flying and raging, we need to make sure that as the standard bearer, as the one who's lifting up the flag of God, that we are constantly going where he's going. And sometimes, you know, maybe people have had a problem with that because the Lord is always advancing. He is never looking back. He's never going backwards. He's always going forward. The kingdom of God advances, Jesus said. And um, praise God. Soldiers must follow close. Sorry, must follow and stay close to the standard or the flag in order to maintain unit cohesion. I got that off the internet. I did not make that up. <laughs> Soldiers must follow and stay close to the standard or flag in order to maintain unit cohesion. That is, that in order that they can move as one unit in perfect sync with each other, they have to stay close to the flag. And the flag is close to the king or the commander-in-chief. This is how an army advances and how an army goes into battle. And when they do that, when the soldiers stay close to the flag, they're able to maintain this, this perfect unity and oneness. And, and, this is interesting, a single commander can easily position his troops simply by positioning the flag. So, you know, uh, um, there's a saying like there should only be one head and it's the same in an army. There's only ultimately one who makes the final decision and gives the orders and out on the battlefield, one commander can command a whole army of many many hundreds or possibly thousands of men and women in that army by giving a command by the flag wherever he puts the flag or whatever flag he puts up they all respond to that command he often also will use musical um, cues uh, or verbal commands and that's why I often wondered why do they put on that funny voice when they say ten hot you know that and, and they put on kind of an accent well apparently um, they they have um, over the years I suppose <coughs> or generations they have discovered that it's a kind of a, a guttural it comes from like way, way deep down. They train actually the commanders who give these commands. They train them to speak in a different way that can be heard for miles around. So that's why they shout in such a peculiar manner. It's actually, they're taught to do that because it allows everybody to hear what the command is. And the standard bearer in battle is in the center of the front line. So the following troops know where to go. But it also, as I said earlier, it also shows the enemy exactly where to shoot. And that's why many people are being targeted. So you've got to keep up that shield of faith. 
Keep up with the spiritual warfare. Father, I break the power of every fiery dart coming against me today. I cancel out every bitter word, every jealous word, every word of condemnation or accusation or murder, uh, you know, any kind of negative words that are coming against me, any kind of fear that's coming against me or my family, anything the enemy is trying to use to suck in or influence any members of my family. I plead the blood of Jesus against that. I, and that's why we put on the armor of God and actually the hell of salvation you know again like the oil on that sheep's head it protects you from the parasites and believe me there are plenty of parasites that are trying to penetrate your ears to get you to believe something that is contrary to the word of God in the bible standard bearers represent that which is good and noble and they carry the flags to express identity purpose and unity that's something else is that um I don't know whether you've ever seen it, but um, every year on the Queen's birthday, they have what they call the, the parade, I think, of colours. And what it is, is she goes out into this giant yard and all of the different regiments and different parts of the, um, the British armed forces parade in front of her. So, you know, you've got... Um, they have an Irish regiment, don't they? So they kind of wear green and they have a flag that has like a shamrock on it. Then they have the Scottish regiment. So they wear kilts and they have got a Scottish banner. Um, you've got the Marines, you've got the, the Navy, you've got all these different parts of the, of, of the Queen's forces. And they all have their own particular colour and identity. And that's something, you know, we are identified by the flag of Jesus Christ, by his life, death, and resurrection. Are you, are you hearing this or getting anything out of this? Yeah, sorry, because it's really quiet. <laughs> but um, in, can we go to Song of Songs? Song of Songs, chapter 2. Oh, yeah. It's right before Isaiah. Song of Solomon or Song of Songs is a, a love story um, and it really represents not only um, the love that Jesus has for the church, that God has for each one of us individually, it also is a kind of a, a manual, if you like, for marriage. And of course, uh, God says, you know, that in Ephesians that marriage is symbolic uh, or is the manifestation on this earth, I suppose, of the relationship that Jesus, the love that Jesus has for the church. Um, and that feast that uh, we will all attend, God willing, um, you know, when the Lord comes for us, is the marriage supper of the Lamb, which is what, was, what Jesus was alluding to in Luke 14 when we read that. But anyway, in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, um, and verse 1 it says, I am the rose of Sharon, 
and the lily of the valley. Like a lily among thorns, so is my love among the daughters. Like an apple tree among the trees of the woods, so is my beloved among the sons. I sat down in his shade with great delight, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banquishing house, and his banner over me was love. You know, you wonder what is the banner, or what is the flag, or the colour of God? What is what are his colours? What is his, his ensign uh, or, or symbol? It's love. Because God is love. And so, you know, that banner that he raises up over us is his love. And he brings us, that, that used to be a song years ago, I encourage you to look it up. Um, Kevin Prash uh, wrote a song years ago called uh, His Banner Over Me Is Love. He brought me to his banqueting table. He brought me to his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. I am my beloved's and he is mine. I am my beloved's and he is mine. His banner over me is love. So, you know... Jesus is our beloved and he laid down his life for you and for me. He laid, you know, sometimes people hear that scripture, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but would have eternal life. And so we think of it as in the world and, you know, all the people. And, and the thing is, is that it actually was, was that he, he died for you. He died for me. He died for her. He died for him. He died for them. And this is what's wrong and why people have run, you know, looking to belong somewhere because they don't know that they belong to God. Um, so by his love, he has brought us to this place of putting this table in front of us, a banqueting table. And he has given us a place of honor at that table. And he wants to wait and serve on us. It says actually that in that, in that marriage supper of the Lamb, that Jesus will wait on, on, the, you know, on the table and bring the food to his beloved. And that's us, that's you and me. We, have, we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to experience that. We can experience that right here on this earth, even in the midst of very difficult circumstances, even in the midst of dark seasons, winter seasons, harsh, uh, you know, harsh situations. We can experience that, that wonderful fellowship. And how we uh, you know, enter into it is by our praise, our worship, by our... Uh, believing in him by repentance and forgiveness of our sins and by taking communion because that's what he said he said you know when you do this do it in remembrance of me Amen. that's the banner that we have to lift up is his love what he did for us at the cross hallelujah while you're there would you run to isaiah 49 verse 22 thank you jesus There's provision at, at his table. 
You know, and the enemy has tried to block our provision. He's tried to block people's provision of love, their provision of finances or of uh, whatever it is that they need. He, the, the enemy is constantly opposing. He's constantly firing attacks at people to wound them, to limp them, make them limp or cripple them or paralyze them in order that they cannot get in to that place of enjoying fellowship with Jesus and eating from that table. We, you know, if you think of anything after this fellowship today, go home and make a decision. God, I am going to eat from your table. I am going to receive all the things you have for me. I am going to stop listening to the lies of the enemy that, you know, he, he, he'll provide it for other people, but he won't provide it for you. He, he'll, he'll bless other people financially, but he will not bless you. you you're, you're just not right. You see, again, it goes back. Our foundation has to be righteousness. We have to know that we are right with God. And if we are not right with God, we need to get right with God. It's that simple. Lord, forgive me for that, whatever. I ask you to cleanse me and wash me with your blood. That's why we break bread. You know, Paul said, when you take the cup of of the covenant, examine yourselves and see you know, they talk a lot about reflection and we hear that word reflection a lot. And, you know, I think it's very good uh, to reflect and think about how have I been living? Have I been living for God or have I been living for myself? Have I been living in bitterness and offense? Uh, is there areas where I get offended easily? Well, then I need to make a correction there and stop it. Is there areas where I have allowed the enemy to bring fear and I've taken that fear even subtly? I need to stop it in Jesus' name. You know, that's what we we have to do. We have to correct ourselves. Um, In Isaiah 49, um, you can read it yourself. Like that whole chapter is amazing and very timely, actually. But um, praise God. In verse 24, he says, Shall the prey be taken from the mighty or the captives of the righteous be delivered but thus says the lord even the captives of the mighty shall be taken away and the prey of the terrible tyrant be delivered for i will contend with him who contends with you and i will save your children i will feed those who oppress you with their own flesh and they shall be drunk with their own blood as with sweet wine. All flesh shall know that I am the Lord, your Savior, and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. You know, there are things that the enemy is contending against you. And it's time to lift up that banner and say, Lord, I thank you. You promised me that you would contend with him who contends with me. That, that those things that the enemy has, has built up as strongholds in my life or those places where the enemy is attacking me in sickness or in relationships or whatever. Lord, you said you would contend with those things. Maybe it's over your children. And it's time to start saying, no devil in Jesus' name, take your hands off my children. No devil in Jesus' name, take your hands off my wife or my husband or my whatever uh, you know my business my finances take your hands off it devil you are an illegal operator you're a liar you're defeated and I thank you father that you have laid your table before me with everything that I need for this life every provision that I need is there for me and lord I thank you that I will eat it and I tell you devil move out of the way and stop trying to intimidate me and block me from being able to receive God's blessings in Jesus name Amen. amen 
Hallelujah. What a promise. I will contend with him who contends with you, and I will save your children. God's promise to you is that you and your household shall be saved. Amen. That doesn't just mean, you know, that when they die, they go to be with the Lord. It means that here on this earth, they and all of you can live blessed and can live full of joy and full of love and not full of bitterness, not full of hatred, not feuding. Uh, you know, this kind of trash needs to stop. And that's what the Lord is calling the church. He's calling us to righteousness. He's calling us to speak out his word and to operate in his ways and follow his lead. We are in an army. And you know, one thing is, is in the army or in the Marines, I'm sure you've seen it in many movies, if some fella or someone decides to rebel against what they're being commanded to do, by God, they know about it fairly lively. They are, they are severely punished. And it's not that God is a punisher of us. I'm not trying to say that. But I am saying that, you know, in an army, you toe the line. Because if you don't, you are putting all of their lives at risk. You know, you cannot have one uh, sole ranger running off on their own and deciding to do it their own way. They will bring danger to all. And you can be sure the enemy will pick them off and, and possibly even... Uh, get them to, to, uh, to join their side and then start giving out secrets or, or, or uh, what's the word, um, you know, maneuvers uh, of, of their former army. And, and they're putting their whole army at risk. And, you know, I believe that God is really bringing a severe judgment on that right now across the earth. Not just in, in uh, churches, but even in government. He is calling people to righteousness. And we are going to see in the coming days and weeks and months, we are going to see order being put back uh, to where there should be order. He's calling it in marriages. There are people who are, you know, off uh, having open marriages or going off and, and leaving their wives and their children or leaving their husbands or, or, or making their lives miserable at home, abusing them. I'll tell you what, I wouldn't like to be in their shoes because God is, is going to, you know, and that's the thing. We know that the days that God spoke about in Malachi chapter 3, he said, there will be a difference between those who serve the Lord and the wicked. And there is going to be a marked difference Praise God. And in Isaiah 59, verse 19, I don't know why I have that marked there. Isaiah 59. And don't ever think that when I'm shouting that I'm giving out to you. I'm not. It's just, I think that what happens is the Spirit of God comes on me and it's like a kind of a, a righteous anger and it's not against you or people. It's against the enemy and what he's doing. He's tying people up. And like I said, that, that vision I saw of that battlefield, all these people were lying on the ground and were wounded and crippled and maimed. And you know, that is not how God wants his church to operate. It is not how God wants his children to live. He has said that we are overcomers, that we are more than conquerors, that we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And he does not want people to be discouraged or to be feeling defeated and feeling like nothing is ever going to work out. That is the enemy lying into your ear and he is releasing a spirit of fear with it to make you think that nothing will ever change. And the devil is a liar. Amen. 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 So in Isaiah 59... And verse 
and 15 it says, Then the Lord saw it, the Redeemer of Zion. Then the Lord saw it and it displeased him because why? Truth had fallen. And that's for sure. We can see it left, right and centre where truth falls and it's not just in, you know, in government and in, in, in lots of places. As I said earlier, in marriages, you know, truth and honesty and integrity. People, people have made vows before God and then they go out and, and they treat it like a common thing. In churches, people are, are, are you know, backstabbing each other. In government, there's corruption uh, in all areas of life, really. You know, uh, people intimidating others, people talking about others, uh, feuding, all kinds of total corruption. Truth has fallen. And the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no intercessor. Intercessors are rising up at this time. People who will humble themselves and cry out to God and pray. And like I said to you, there's a, an online Zoom group. And if you want the link, I will send it to you and I will introduce you. Uh, you know, but I tell you, it, it's not for the faint-hearted. They, these are people who are interceding and praying for our nation, for our churches, for our for people. You know, right across the earth, really, they're crying out to God with from sincere and earnest hearts. And and you know, we are going to see a mighty move of God's spirit, and it is going to be birthed out of prayer. You can pray for your family, even if you set aside just even 30 seconds of a day, three minutes, whatever you have, when you're driving in your car, and just pray, God, I thank you that you will contend with him who has been contending with me. You will save my children. I thank you, Father, for my family members. I pray, Lord, that everything that is influencing them would be broken. I thank you, Father. You promised me as for me and my house, we will serve the living God. I speak life over my family today. I ask you to forgive me, Lord. Show me. Is there any place in my heart where I have been holding something against them or where I have been used uh, uh, you know, to, to be an obstacle to them in Jesus name intercessors that's what God is raising up therefore his own arm brought salvation for him and his own righteousness it sustained him see God could find no righteousness it said there was no God looked and there was no one found so that's what he decided to do he decided to come down himself and it was his own righteousness he saved us with we had to do nothing and again going back to Psalm 23 God has done everything all we have to do is believe and all we have to do is partake of what he has put in front of us and stop listening to the lies of the enemy telling you that you're not good enough. He has made us right. He has given us his righteousness. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate. The breastplate always covers the heart. It protects the heart. And a helmet of salvation on his head. Salvation is the thing that makes us know we are right with God. We can be healed. We can be made whole. We can enjoy our lives. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, accordingly, he will repay. Fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies. You see, it's him who will bring the vindication. It is him who will bring the justice. The coastlands he will fully repay. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west 
and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The redeemer will come to Zion and to those who turn from transgression in Jacob, says the Lord. As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. What a promise. Praise God. Is that because of us turning from our sins, because of us walking in righteousness, he will bring a blessing. We are actually forming our own legacy. And this is something we need to be aware of. What legacy am I leaving in Jesus' name? Okay. It says um, in, in Isaiah chapter 62, verse 10, go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, take out the stones, lift up a banner for the peoples. And uh, Lord, I just thank you that that's what you're doing with us, Lord. Every day that we learn from you, every day that you're teaching us, you're, you're taking out those stones. When, they, when someone looks at a field and it, it needs to be overhauled, um, you know, and they dig out, uh, take off all the, the top covering of the grass to reveal the earth that's underneath. And then what comes up? All oh, these stones. And how many of you, you know, when you were doing your lawn or, or if you were a child and you were helping on the farm and going to a field and picking the stones, thank God they made a machine now that does that, you know. But like, how many years did people, uh, I remember doing it in our own lawn um, when we first bought our house. Oh my God, I never realized just like <laughs> what kind of hard labor there was in life and that was certainly one of them. Um, picking stones. We must have been at it for I don't know how many days or how long it took us. Because every time you go out, there'd be another one after popping up. Where did that come from? <laughs> but like, you know, that's what the Lord said here. Um, as we uh, open the gates, you're thinking there of Psalm 24, open up the ancient gates and the King of Glory will come in. Well, the King of Glory comes in and... You know, he shines his light and, and what is exposed is those stones, those things that need to be removed. And uh, he lifts up his banner over us and his banner over us is love. So, and, and, you know, probably didn't finish off there as well in, in Isaiah 59. When the enemy comes in, like, when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. So that, that standard or that flag you know, that love of God, that banner of love is actually something that will stop the enemy's penetration, will stop the enemy from, from uh, you know, coming in and, and overwhelming somebody. And like we read in Isaiah 43, though you go through the rivers, they will not overflow you. Amen. Though you go into the fire, it will not burn you. So this is what our faith is, is that we have to constantly refresh ourselves with the word of God so that we can remind ourselves what it is he has promised. And his promises are, uh, we are seeing them come to pass even in our lives. We, we probably don't even see it half the time. But God is changing us and he has brought us so far and he's not going to take his hand off you now. You know, so Lord, we just thank you as we take this bread and this cup today. We do it in remembrance of you. We say this together, Father God. Father God.
This communion table, this communion table is, the is the banner of your love, of your love. When, you gave when you gave your son Jesus, your son Jesus for, me, for me so that I could be delivered, so that I could be delivered from, the kingdom of darkness from the kingdom of darkness and brought into, and brought into your, kingdom, your kingdom where there is victory, there is victory for me. For me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, take I take this bread today in remembrance, in remembrance as, a up as a lifting up banner of the healing, of the healing that, you that you won for me. Your body was broken, body was broken so, that so that I could be healed. Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus forgive, me forgive me for not eating. For not eating. From your, table. from your table, in the past, in the past. I, ask you, Lord, I ask you, Lord, to open my eyes, to, open my eyes. to, let, me see to let me see the provision, the provision that, you have laid there. that you have laid there. It is a beautiful feast, it is a beautiful feast. of health, of healing, healing, peace, peace. joy. joy. Uh, financial blessing, financial blessings. relationship blessing. Relationship Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, eat I eat this bread today. And I receive, and I receive every, blessing every blessing that you won for me. me. I, celebrate I celebrate your broken body, your broken body. in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. take the cup it says Father God you told me when I take the cup to examine myself examine my heart and I do so now and I ask you show me by the power of your spirit those areas where I have been out of line or where things are not right and give me the open door to make them right in Jesus name I repent and I ask you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness I confess out every sin especially the sin of doubt unbelief the sin of fear the sin of offense and any kind of murder in my heart towards any other person I ask you to forgive me and I thank you though my sins are as red as scarlet you have washed me as white as snow I pray that you would pour upon me today your love in a new and a fresh way in Jesus name Amen Lord Jesus, we take this cup in remembrance of you. Amen. And we thank you, Jesus. Thank you for making the way for us to be made right with God and reconciled to him back as if we had never sinned. Amen. Hallelujah. It's just a song in my heart there. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. 
that whoever believes in him shall not die but have eternal life L is for the love that he's given me I am the reason he died on the tree F is for forgiveness and now I am free E to enjoy my life eternally Hell is for the love that he's got me I am the reason he died on the tree F is for forgiveness and now I am free E to enjoy my life eternally Amen. Thank you, Jesus. L-I-F-E. He has given us life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. And the life we now live, Lord, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us in Jesus' name. Just maybe finish with that scripture. I think it's in Galatians chapter 2. It's one of my favorite. Galatians. Amen. Galatians chapter 2, verse um, 20. It's talking to, about dying to self, and it's something, you know, that we need to do. Um, in fact, I'm nearly sure I heard Doug Addison talking on his podcast this week about that, um, that he was giving the scripture in Ecclesiastes 3, uh, I really recommend Doug Edison as well. Um, he gives, he sends a daily um, email. Um, he calls it a daily prophetic word, but it's just a, a real encouragement every day. And it's only one line. It's so easy to read. And uh, he does weekly podcasts as well. He's such a blessing, and he's so full of joy. He's actually a Christian comedian. Um, he's so full of joy, and he's really uh, got a. He's got an mag- amazing teaching as well called. Um, how to love and not judge, a uh, really good teaching. But um, anyway, I'm nearly sure he quoted um, Ecclesiastes 3, and he was saying, you know, what the Lord is speaking to him at the moment, because he he'd be a, a, quite a prophetic voice, is that this is a time of Ecclesiastes 3 where it says, a time to be born and a time to die. And he says, you know, it is a time to die. And he said, we've seen many people die. But he said, one thing is, is that I really believe it's a time for us to die to ourselves. And then he said, in order that we may be birth and bring forth that which God has, uh, you know, planned for us. So, And uh, this scripture is, uh, I have been crucified with Christ It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. I just love that. And so, you know, that's that's where we need to be at, is that we're crucified to ourselves, uh, and that we die to the old self, and that instead we live for Christ and the life we now live, we live through faith in the, um, in the Son of God who loved us and died for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.